Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David takes a look at questions, questions that we have about God. And should we ask those questions or should we just have faith? Let's listen. So as we mentioned, today is the purpose of pondering. And questions, I think, are some of the most helpful tools that we have to grow and develop as people. Because in questions, they encourage us to wonder about the world, to to think deeply about a topic, and to not be satisfied with simply easy answers. Or here's how 10th century theologian Peter Abelard put it. He said, the master key of knowledge is indeed persistent and frequent questioning. Yes, knowledge can only come if we're good at asking questions, and if we're persistent enough to continue asking those questions and engaging with the world in wonder. Or as one ancient proverb put it, better to ask a question than to remain ignorant. Yes, questions are how we grow in our knowledge about the world. Well, I was curious about some of the most common types of questions that people have, and so I found an article about the most common questions that people type into Google. I was surprised at the results. Let me share just a couple of them with you. This past month, the most common question that was typed into Google was, what is my IP address? I don't think I've ever wondered that before. But apparently, that was the most common thing that someone has put into Google. Uh, Here is the second most common. What time is it? Now, if you're typing that into Google, can't you just look at at the clock on your computer or at your phone? But I don't know. I guess Google might know and provide that answer to you. A couple of the others in the top 10, maybe you've asked these before. Uh, How to tie a tie. I think I have Googled that before. What song is this? So if a song's playing, maybe Google knows, it can hear. How many ounces are in a cup? Do you know that off the top of your head, or do you have to Google that to find the answer? When is Mother's Day? You need to know the answer to that. And so that's a good thing to Google to make sure you don't miss it. Is it going to rain today? That's a creative question to ask Google. Or my personal favorite, where is my phone? (laughs) Why does Google know where your phone is? I don't think Google does, but that was one of the top 10 questions that people put into Google. Well, so questions help us learn, and questions about faith also help us learn. I mean, sometimes, as I alluded to earlier, questions about faith, we think of them almost as off-limits. Like, no, you're supposed to live by faith, and so you're not supposed to ask questions about God. But I'm here to tell you that you can trust and believe in God and also ask questions to deepen your knowledge about God. It's not an either-or scenario. Like, either you have faith or you ask questions. No, it's it's not like that. It's a both-and scenario. Like, I have deep faith in God, and I have questions about God and understanding God. Well, so today, we're going to look at a particular scripture that's going to help us in our exploration of asking good questions. Uh, The scripture is about a a person named Gideon, and it's his story. His story is found in Judges chapter 6. 
It's a long story, and we are only going to do the beginning of it. So I encourage you, if you're interested in what we read today, to go home and continue your own study, uh, the story of Gideon. But particularly, be looking for the types of questions that Gideon asks about God. Now, uh, the story in Judges chapter 6 begins the first six verses uh, by showing you the context of what is happening in Gideon's world and in the life of the Israelites during this time period. And it's a really challenging time in their lives. So here are the first six verses. We're told that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amechalites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So what a dire situation do we find the Israelites in when this story begins? I mean, they are being so oppressed by this other country, the Midianites, and they're so weak in their own power that they've taken to hiding. They're hiding in mountain clefts. They're hiding in caves, and they're only venturing out every once in a while so that they can maybe plant some crops, have a little bit of food. And then even then, when that's discovered, it's ruined, and and the, the people from the east come in and take the little food that they have. So this, this is a really dire situation that Gideon finds himself in. But a couple of verses later, God chooses to get involved. In verse 11, we're told, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Okay, so question here. So Gideon is introduced to us in the story, but why is Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press? I mean, usually, if you're going to thresh wheat, you'll do so out in the wheat field. But he's not doing that. He's threshing his wheat in a wine press. Now, if you're not familiar with how to thresh wheat, um, we've got a picture of it to show you, but, but basically, you would take the wheat And if you're doing it by hand, like this picture, you would hit it against the ground so that you would break off the kernel of wheat from the rest of the stalk of the wheat. So that's the process of threshing it. But again, why are you doing this not in a field, but in a wine press like Gideon is? Because a wine press in this day and age, again, we've got a picture for you. It was basically a giant pit in the ground where you would put all the grapes that would then be crushed and made into wine. So Gideon has his wheat. He's threshing his wheat in a pit in the ground. Why? It's because he's hiding. Because it's not safe to do that out in the open. 
because he fears for his own safety, and he also fears that the little wheat that he has may be taken from him by the Midianites. Yes, when we find Gideon in this story, he is hiding. But the angel of the Lord who shows up, the angel of the Lord is not hiding. No, he goes and leans against an oak tree in the shade of the day. He's not hiding at all. And apparently, Gideon eventually comes out of the hole in the ground and discovers the angel. And here's their interaction. The next verse says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior? Why does he call Gideon a mighty warrior? This is a person who's hiding in a wine press. That's the opposite of being a mighty warrior. I think we've got two options to, to interpret this statement of calling Gideon a mighty warrior. The first option that I thought of was, well, maybe the angel's making a joke. I mean, maybe he's calling out the opposite of what Gideon actually is. Can, can angels be sarcastic? What do you think about that? I mean, as I read this story, it made me think when I wake up in the morning and I look at myself in the mirror and my hair's all disheveled and I go, ah, looking good today, right? You say kind of the opposite. And so is that what the angel's doing? He sees Gideon hiding in a hole and goes, ah, mighty warrior. I don't really think so. I don't think that's what the angel's doing. I think we have a second option, a better option. I believe that the angel knew who Gideon was, even when Gideon forgot who he was. Because the truth is, sometimes we forget who we are, and we need to be reminded by God. For example, when you lose confidence in yourself, you need to be reminded that God never loses confidence in you. Or when you begin to think of yourself as worthless, you need to be reminded that God sees you always as worthy. Gideon doesn't feel like a mighty warrior. I mean, come on, he's hiding in a pit in the ground, but God knows who he is, who he truly is. And God knows who you are, too, who you truly are. So, he calls him a mighty warrior, but Gideon's not yet convinced. He pushes back on the angel's suggestion of who he is with a question. So, remember, we're studying questions today, and here's Gideon's first question in response to the angel calling him a mighty warrior. Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? You see what Gideon just did there? That's called cutting to the chase. Yeah, he's not hemming and hawing or beating around the bush. He gets right down to business. And he tells the angel, okay, if God is with us, like you say, then where is he? Then why has all this happened to us? Why am I hiding my food in a wine press if God is really with us? Yes, Gideon is asking a deep question about life that he wants to know the answer to. If God is truly with us, then why is life so hard? Well, remember, we are encouraging questions today 
even when those questions are hard questions. And I think the question that Gideon just asked is a hard question. But I want us to be honest that we all have questions too about life, about God, and about faith. Now, some of those questions get, get answered, don't they, from time to time? Uh, maybe you hear a sermon and you, you go, oh, something clicks in a way that had not clicked before. Or maybe it's through a conversation that you have with a close Christian friend or a, as a part of a Bible study, and some questions that you've had about God become answered. Yes, some questions get answered right away, but other questions tend to linger, don't they? Yes, other questions, they, they stay in the back of our mind, and we don't always engage with them. Sometimes we try to ignore them, and then sometimes they keep us up at night as we wrestle with them. Some questions tend to linger. So let's face it, we've got questions, and as I was thinking about what type of spiritual questions we ask, I thought of a couple categories that they might fit into. I'll share those with you, and I'm curious if your questions fit into these categories as well. I think there's the short-term questions first, and these are questions that you have, but you can probably get answers to if you search for them. Uh, perhaps you're thinking, wait, how many tribes were there again? Or, or what was Jesus' first miracle? I mean, these sorts of questions you can Google, or you can email one of the pastors, or, and talk with a close friend. You can find the answers to these more short-term questions. But then there's also those long-term questions, aren't there? And these are questions that are a lot harder to answer, maybe because there's no consensus in the answer. Why do bad things happen to good people? How did we all get here? What's the purpose of my life? I mean, there's not a one sentence or even one paragraph response to some of those types of questions. It requires more discussion, more thought. Long-term questions generally begin with the phrase, I've always wondered why. And then I think there's the questions that I call the OGK questions. These are the only God knows type of questions. Because what you'll discover when you begin allowing yourself to engage with your questions is that there are some questions that we will never know the answer to on this side of eternity. Yeah, you'll begin to bump up with the limits of human reason and logic, and there will be some things where you just have to say, okay, only God knows the answer to this, and that's okay. And the hope is that you come to peace with that because you've allowed yourself to explore it and to actually verbalize it. So I wonder, which categories do your questions fit into? Well, let's look a little bit more at Gideon's questions, because he has just asked a very direct but very deep one, saying, God, where are you in my struggles? And he goes on, and he says, where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So Gideon knows his history, and he knows that his ancestors 
were slaves in Egypt. You know the story from the book of Exodus. And that God performed many wonders and signs like sending the locusts and sending the frogs so much so that eventually Pharaoh said, fine, take your people. But Gideon says, okay, if God did that in the past, why isn't God doing that now? I mean, if if God has done this, and these are the family stories that I've grown up learning about, then why isn't God doing the same thing today? Have you ever wondered something like that before? Maybe you read a story in the Bible and you say, okay, I see God doing this then, but why won't God do that now, today, when I need it most? And I bet that these questions were plaguing Gideon for years. Because did you notice in those opening six verses that share with us the context of this story that they had been under oppression by the Midianites for seven years? For seven years, I bet Gideon was wondering, God, where are you? I bet for seven years, he said, why aren't you freeing us like you freed my ancestors? Well, what will be God's answer? How will God respond to Gideon's questions? Let's read the next verse. The Lord turned to him and said, Go with the might you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Okay, this is a really great answer, uh, but we have to explore it a little bit. If we're going to really get the the depth of what God is saying here. So I want you to notice a couple of things. First, notice who is speaking to Gideon. Up until this point, it had been the angel of the Lord that was in conversation with Gideon. But then Gideon questioned God and said, God, where are you in the midst of my pain? And here, the answer comes directly from God. It says the Lord turned to him, not the angel of the Lord, But the Lord turned to Gideon. So Gideon is now being able to directly have a conversation with God because God replaces the angel as the main communicator of this story. What that teaches us is that God cares enough about Gideon's questions to engage directly with Gideon. That's the first thing that I want you to notice in this answer. But then the second plays off of something that we learned a little earlier in this story, that God tells Gideon to remember who he is. Remember previously, when the angel called Gideon a mighty warrior, even though he was hiding in a pit in the ground, and now God says, use the might you have to go and save your people. You see, Gideon forgot who he was, after seven hard years. But Gideon, or God, reminds him of the inner strength that he has to do what God has asked him to do. He says, use the might you have been given, you mighty warrior. Notice, though, that God doesn't answer his question specifically, does he? But instead, God reminds Gideon who he is in spite of the questions that he asks. And sometimes, that's all we really need. We don't need every question answered specifically, but we need 
to be reminded about who we are in the midst of our questions. I wonder, who's facing something tough right now and needs to be reminded who they are? The scripture tells you, you are a person made by God and empowered by God. That is who you are. And that means you can explore all the questions about life and wrestle with those questions from the strong foundation of knowing who you truly are. Well, you might be wondering, how does this story end? And again, we can't read the whole story today, so I encourage you, go home, Judges chapter 6 through 9, explore Gideon's story. But for today, I'll give you a little preview. God works through Gideon's life to save his people from oppression. And Gideon becomes the mighty warrior that God always knew he was. That's how the story ends in the Bible. Well, what about for us, though? How does the story end for us? Well, it ends with a challenge. A challenge to verbalize your questions to not hold them in, to not be embarrassed by them or think that you're somehow not a good Christian because you have them, but to verbalize your questions and to even write them down. That's the challenge. To put them on a connect card, don't sign your name, but then turn them in in the basket in the back. Or if you're watching online, send us an email, put it in the chat box, send us the questions that you wrestle with about God and about faith. Because as a community of faith, we can stand here and affirm what we know about God and also affirm what we don't yet know as we continue to journey together in growing our knowledge and understanding of this great God that we worship. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.